welcome to another episode of Booksmitten. We are here, we're happy, and we are going to be jumping back in to Anne Woodford Paul's writing picture books. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jack Chang. I'm here with Patrick Flores Scott, Heather Shoemaker, and Kelly J. Baptist. Um, is everyone excited to be getting back to the the book? Oh yeah, yes. good excited. stuff. <laughs> and excited to see you guys again. It's been a it's while. been a minute, yeah, since yeah. we've all been together. So this is yeah, great. yeah. I have definitely. to say, you guys look great. We all do. <laughs> you look great. We're sorry for the listening audience. You cannot see how amazing <laughs> we all look currently. <laughs> and and Kelly, Kelly's coming to us from her new renovated, renovated closet op- office. Yes. Closet office, multifunctional. One of the coolest closets I think I've ever seen. That is cool. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yep. Uh, So uh, today we're here to talk about chapters seven and eight of writing picture books, um, which is uh, the start of part three, dealing with the structure of our stories. So I'm just going to give a quick summary of these two chapters. They are about uh, the the strong openings that we hope to have for our picture books, and then also uh, the the captivating first lines that we're we're trying to um, you know fashion in order to uh, entice our readers to to keep reading. Uh, so chapter seven, which is called "Diving Into Your Story," talks about. Um, uh, what Ann Woodford Paul calls the six W's, and they're basically kind of the who, what, when, and where of the stories. Although she has uh, an additional uh, couple of an extra what, and that's what is the story's tone, hmm. and also the uh, the extra W is the the stands for wow, the wow moment of the story. So who, what, when, where, wow is. Uh, <laughs> what we're talking about in this. And then there's a really interesting uh, exercise that I found um, about testing for a strong opening that involves basically going through your manuscript, or, or in the case of the book, there's an example manuscript and using highlighters to highlight all of these different um, elements and aspects of a strong opening. Yeah. Yeah. Did I, did I cover, cover you did everything? That's right. perfect. Check. That is perfect. Um, I want to point out it's very interesting because we do this naturally even with the podcast and most podcasts do. You have your intro and how you bring things in in a way that people will grow to expect uh, and be used to and comfortable. We say we're here, we're happy, we're hopeful, and you know that it is booksmitten when we do that. And so in the same tone, um, it's very important for us to start our manuscripts in a way that gets the reader into the story immediately. And I just thought about that as you did the intro. It was like, oh, we even do that for the podcast, how much more important uh, for our manuscripts. So Heather, right. I think you were, you were about no, to say something. No, I love that because it, it is true. When I start a new book, um, whether it's picture book or any book, I always look for those clues. What kind of story is mm-hmm. this going to be? And if it's a, a podcast, as you were saying, there might be spooky music in the background mm-hmm. or something that's setting the scene, setting the tone. In a picture book, it's going to be even the pictures before you've turned to the page where the story starts. Mm-hmm. It's the cover. It's that opening page where they just put the title. There's already stuff going on. The tone and the mood of the story is already being set in the illustrations and the font and everything else of the story. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And and I, I think something that just 
struck me as, as you were describing that, Heather, is that the way that like the 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 tone of the actual um, text and the the words that are on the page um, also like inform the you know who whoever is going to do the illustrations, right? Like like that can be you know if, if you're your language is very gentle and soft, then, you know, that speaks to a certain kind of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I, I and, and what Paul gives us like a bunch of different examples, um, of, of that throughout the, uh, the chapter. And she even like, there's this one passage that she rewrites multiple times for these different openings, um, that I, I, I thought was really like eye opening for me in terms of just, just how often she's like rewriting her openings mm-hmm. to just find like the perfect one. Whereas like, you know, when, when I'm reading it, like reading some of the early ones, I'm like, Oh, that seems like a perfectly fine yeah. intro. Right. That, that seems like a story I would want to keep reading, but, um, but there's so much writing and rewriting and just like trying to perfect um, that tone and and that those hooks for the reader. Yeah. One thing that I hadn't, hadn't occurred to me before is having your main character come on stage first. Mm. And I guess that seems really obvious, but stories can be told so many different ways. And in a novel, maybe you're going to introduce something else first. But in a, we're talking about picture books. Yeah. It's so condensed, so concentrated. It's like boiling maple sap into maple sugar, into um, maple mm. syrup. You're really getting it very condensed. And so, yeah, you do need to introduce who is the focus of this story right away and establish that. Um, and I, I'd never considered that. And I, I was actually happy to see that my first word is the <laughs> grandpa is the name of the main character. So I thought, mm. yes, I got him on stage, but I was expecting that I'd done it all backwards. <laughs> yeah. I, on the other hand, uh, started with not the main character mm. and I'm questioning my whole deal. It's, it seems like there's a great handoff in the story that to me works, but like, it, it's also a real obvious moment for an agent or an editor to say, wait a second, <laughs> this person doesn't know what they're doing. Um, so I'll, I'll have to get more feedback, but it's something I've already thought about. Um, but like reading it here is like as number one in the six W's yeah. um, makes me really question what I've done. So with, with my current draft uh, I have, so everything is told in like a first person voice, but it the vo- it changes from different characters. It moves to different characters. And I do like uh, going through this exercise and reading the, this chapter, I do start off with the main character in that like the the first person to speak is the main character. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of moves into the background. Wow, um, and then he he'll like speak up again later in the book. Uh, so so that was like, um, yeah, that that was also like something that I noticed is that a lot of times you know our our instincts and our our when we're trying to tell these stories we have these like you know intuitions about like how the strong opening should be and we're actually already doing a lot of these things naturally, um, but it really helps to actually be able to like bring that into our conscious awareness and and realize that oh yes you know this is what um this is what's really going on behind the scenes heather i i remember you that earlier on you for your manuscript you actually weren't sure who your main character was going to be whether it was going to be the grandpa Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit more about like yeah how that's evolved 
Yeah, I do. I, I think that's a something that happens a lot, and at least to me, <laughs> is I'm not quite sure where the focus is, and it does have to take some time to gestate before I'm sure. And now I do know that Grandpa's the main character, but at first I, I don't. I had a version where there was no grandfather at all, and I had mm. versions where it was just kids and. Um, I had the same trouble with my novel, The Griffins of Castle Carey, whereas I had the focus on an adult ghost when it really needed to be on a child ghost because I was thinking more about myself and what had prompted me to write the story in the first place, which was an adult emotion. I think, no, I got to shift this because I had it all backwards. So I sometimes come in the back door on that and it, it takes me a little while to sort out and, and put the spotlight on the right person. I think the one of the important parts of everything you just said is the time part. <laughs> the just sticking with it and saying it's worth messing with until it becomes clear and, and obvious. And sometimes it isn't obvious to begin with and uh, to stick with it through that messy development phase. Yeah, I'm impressed too with the six W's, just how much to pack in in an opening couple lines it's you know establish the setting and the tone and the main character and the and make it wow and I think I knew make it wow something has to grab your attention right at the beginning but that's a lot of things to be set and usually as a novelist I think I have well maybe not a whole chapter but at least a couple pages to get to all that important background stuff and here it's just maybe four or five sentences or less yeah, I think that's where we kind of all are, because coming from a novel background, it's like, this is too fast. Like, we have to leave breadcrumbs or, you know, to keep them turning the page. Well, they're only turning 32. So you're kind of condensing what that timeline looks like in the novel to fit this. And Jack, you mentioned something earlier that I think is important for us as we're writing a picture book is that we have the secret weapon. We have the partner. Uh, we have the illustrator. And so any, I don't want to even call them faults or, or, or flaws or shortcomings, but if there were those in the text, the illustrator can then fill in those gaps. And so our job is to do strong writing, create strong writing, because it then starts to shape how the illustrator takes on the project. As you said earlier, Jack, if our writing is, is soft, then you, you might get a different rendering of art. If it's bold and sassy, you'll get a different rendering of art. So keeping that in our minds at the same time, when we feel overwhelmed or feeling like we have to cram all of this information in and it has to be detailed, we have to remember we do have an illustrator who will come in and you don't have to say it's a red hat necessarily, or you don't have to say this many or... It looks like this because their interpretation will kind of complete the story from where we, we leave off or where it might not all be crammed in. I know that's the tendency. You get tense. You're like, oh, my goodness, yes, I have to get all six in, in two sentences. Like, <laughs> that's overwhelming. Um, but as we see in example after example, how she redid and redid and redid, um, we can do that, too. And then you have. The, the grace blanket of the illustrator who mm -hmm. will come in and, and kind of bring it all together. I, I think it was really an aha moment for me when uh, in uh, our previous episode, Barb Rosenstock was talking about the kind of back and forth of like, oh, you know, after the illustrator put this in, 
like I feel great about this as a writer because that means I can take this line out. Yeah, yep. it yeah, no longer needs to be there. And I think that really unlocks some things for me in mm-hmm. thinking about this manuscript as something that is more fluid and dynamic than than it you know it might feel right now. Because mm-hmm. um, right now it feels like oh you know I'm like creating the final draft of the, a novel yes. or like I'm working toward the final draft of a novel and it has to be like completely set before I hand it off. And, um, and yeah, that's like less, it seems like that's less the case that mm-hmm. it, it is more of a back and forth. Mm-hmm. So it's more about writing a compelling story and having a compelling voice than it is about 100% nailing this thing in terms of getting it out there and selling it. I think so. I think that's always the heart of what we're doing is is writing the compelling voice that we are hearing the story that is in our heart and i think it can help take pressure off of yourself by knowing the other tools that are at your disposal especially with this um, genre of picture book so it, it should it should be more of a a sigh of relief a little bit to know that okay i can breathe a little more because this can change and it will be an easier thing to change and adjust than a whole novel during the revision process, yeah. right? Yeah. It'll be a lot easier. They might say, hey, as you said, Jack, you don't need this line anymore because it's going to be addressed in the in the illustration. And in most cases, it's you as the writer that will adjust and not the illustrator. It's harder for them to change a whole spread because mm-hmm. of something you wrote than for you to adjust a sentence or two based on what they drew. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that takes pressure off. Having gone through it once, um, yeah, it, it was not a strenuous process at all. And you will be amazed at the marriage that takes place. Mm. It's an arranged marriage. Like, you yeah. don't meet. <laughs> you yeah. don't meet. There's no dating. Um, it's just you are put together and boom, wedding day. Here's the book. <laughs> Married at first sight. <laughs> so um, yeah, as, you make as scary as that is. And yeah. make it work. And it, and it does. It does. It consistently does because everyone is giving all their gifts and talents to the project. And I think that is what makes it work. Nobody is approaching it um, half, yeah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) half that um, we are are giving our all. So if it takes doing six revisions of your opening paragraph, that's what it takes. Yeah. I always take, I love that, Kelly. And I always take heart when I'm doing, because I am somebody who who fiddles with my first Mm -hmm. page way after I've finished the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I find endings a lot easier to write than openings. Um, And I was still changing a word or two on my printed page proofs before my novel went to press because it wasn't quite right. It takes me some heart and some time to get all the way through and realize what the book's about before I can get the right words, the precise words that fit um, in my opening. And I take heart also because I grabbed a book off my shelf that is about E.B. White, the author of several books, but including Charlotte's Web. And I've always loved a lot of writers can quote his opening line there. Um, Where's Papa going with that axe? Where you're right in the middle of that action and you're saving a life um, of an animal Mm -hmm. immediately. But in this book, which is called Some Writer, it shows the manuscript pages of his various first drafts of Charlotte Webb. And since he's an incredible writer 
every single draft opens in a beautiful way. You know, some of them start with Charlotte was a, the gray spider. Some of them start with talking about Wilbur. Some of them start with um, Fern's father. But my favorite opening, I just want to read to you. A barn can have a horse in it, and a barn can have a cow in it, and a barn can have hens scratching in the chaff and swallows flying in and out through the door. But if a barn hasn't got a pig in it, it's hardly worth talking about. (laughs) And I've always loved that opening, but he knew it wasn't, even though it's gorgeous Mm. writing and it sets Mm. a tone, it wasn't the right opening he was searching for for his book. And he landed on Where's Papa Going With That Axe, which brings in one of the main the main two characters, the one about to be thwacked and then Fern, the young girl right away and puts us in action. So when I think this is good writing, when I'm looking at my own draft, this is good writing. I can't change a thing. I Hmm. think, well, you can maybe it's good writing, but does it fit the best of what this particular story needs to tell? Hmm. I I think that's a good segue into uh, chapter eight, which is called baiting with a sharp hook. And it's about creating uh, a fabulous first line in that. And I remember one of the things that she mentions in this chapter is that like, sometimes you don't actually know that first line until you've written the rest of the manuscript, right? It's like, like for some writers, you know, um, that you, you, you can't really know what, what, what's right for the, the whole, uh, until until you have a better sense of what that whole um, is, and so um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, you know what you just said, Heather, just uh, reminded me of that. Um, also, something else that struck me reading this chapter was how like the first line is kind of even more of a microcosm of that like you know that in, in opening few lines, right? Then I, and I, I feel like even more a sense of overwhelm of like oh yeah, this first line has to do all this hef- heavy lifting. Um, but I, I think what Anne Whitford Paul is trying to get at with this chapter is that like, like she talks about like different um, functions that that first line can have. And it doesn't, it's not to say that they have to do all of these things, but mm-hmm. you know, she gives some examples of like different possible things that it could do, like introduce a main character or, you know, uh, frame the time of the story or the location or it's overall like, you know, mood and, um, opinion. Uh, the others that are listed here are like making a provocative statement or starting in the middle of the action or even setting up some kind of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think for me, like I think back to our episode about story questions and about like having that, you know, that question arise, right? It's like, like, you know, with the Evie White example, right? There's like, you know, it's like, what's, what's going on with this ax mm-hmm. is like, uh, you know, that's something that, that pops up immediately. And so it, it hooks you and it's like, um, it, it pulls you in and makes you want to find the answer to that question. Uh, and so, so just like, like reflecting on my own manuscript, I don't know if that, like that question for me, I don't think that it happens in the first line. I think it happens you know, a few lines in or a few spreads in where um, at one moment in the book, you have, uh, we go from, uh, in the manuscript, we, you go from these like very positive descriptions of fireworks 
to these very negative descriptions of fireworks. And then if so, it, it creates this like conflict and tension mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the, the question in my, in my manuscript is like, how, how is that conflict going to be resolved is essentially the question. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how you get it in. You get it. You've gotten it in in a, in a different kind of way. But yeah. to your point, it's still conflict and it doesn't have to be the very first sentence. I think you draw it in and even showing the 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 differences right away mm-hmm. is compelling. I wanted to ask you guys, do you guys know what your character wants? I feel like that is where I'm kind of struggling. And so maybe that's affecting my my first lines mm-hmm. because no, I haven't really thought about it. Like what what does the character want? Mm-hmm. So, so I wonder if anybody else, you know, has a clear like, yes, they want this or I or always this. ponder that with novels. And I think I try to take shortcuts when it comes to the picture book because it's just so short that, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, but it, I don't think the the format allows you to take shortcuts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that you really do have to know your characters much better than that. I guess I do know what my grandpa wants which is, I think, his. my premise is it's a silly book where he laughs his head off. So he mm-hmm. wants his head back. Okay. But on the bigger story... Um, That's strong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking, uh, but he, in the beginning, what does he want? I think he wants to laugh and have fun and have a good relationship with his, his grandchild. Yeah. And that that's actually what he, he doesn't mind being a silly grandpa. Be, he doesn't mind doing silly things and laughing a lot because that's what he wants in life. Mm. And he doesn't mind if he looks ridiculous and so on. So probably there's a deeper what the character wants mm-hmm. and then the basic, the emotional arc and the narrative yes. arc. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think that's the two different things. You see what they think they want or, you know, the external. And then as you continue through the story, you get a little more of the the internal, the need, um, kind of more than the want. And so that's hard to bring out in a picture book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's saying what you just said. Like they say, your character never gets everything they want. They end up getting what they need. And just like you said, that's the satisfying thing. And how do you, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you do that in 30 pages of very little text on each page? Yeah. Yeah, and even more than a novel, because I often know a lot more about my characters than the reader gets to know. But in a picture book, I think it's even more that tip of the iceberg that we we do really have to spend time and there aren't those shortcuts getting to know our characters and, and the tone. And Jack, when you were giving the summary of chapter eight and and the opening lines, she's using an example of the three little pigs and how you can open a story about the three little pigs so many different ways. And one of the ones that just grabbed me is pigs are stupid and nothing you say will make me think otherwise. If that's a, if that ends up being your first line, and she has many, many other examples of how you can open that same story. Um, if that's your first line, you're expecting a sassy book. You know, you're yeah. expecting mm-hmm. that tone. And um, and if you're in the mood for some humor, this is going to be a great book. But it, any of the other ones could work too. So there's so much in that opening that sets tone. 
Yeah. And then you have to stick with it. That's the, the responsibility. If you do it, you can't then go all quiet and the light after yeah, after a sassy opening. So that's yeah. important too. You gotta stick with with how you start. Yeah. And an analogy that uh, I've used for my novels is that the the opening line or lines are kind of like the the like the entrance area of a house that like when you first mm. walk into a home right you you kind of have like a v- views of like parts of the house from that little entry area mm. that might have you know it might have like a, a bench or like a place to like take off your shoes but it it kind of like gives you a feeling for what the rest of the house is going to be like even mm. not having you know uh explore that house so um i often think about that in terms of like yeah, my novels, and and I, I can definitely see that applying, uh, and working here too in the in the first line or first few lines. That's good. That's a good analogy. I like that. So, how do you feel about your opening lines? I I want to do what Anne Whitford Paul did, and and kind of do a few variations. That's kind of what I feel about them. You know, when you write it, you're like, oh, this is great. This is everything. Yes, I've, I've done it. <laughs> but now I want to to go back and try some of these techniques, you know, even provocative statement or conflict. Your story might not have conflict. So that one might might not work, but mood might work. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of want to even if I went through each one of those um, examples and mm-hmm. did a new opening kind of honing in on that example just to see just to see what happens and mm-hmm. to see what, what sings the most. Mm, I, I feel like, like I have a slow opening that is quiet. Mm-hmm. It's quiet and slow, but it's enough to get you to turn the page, mm-hmm. I think, which doesn't sound great. But it, it just starts slow, and then it gets hard-hitting pretty quickly. But it's just that first couple images which mine is start mine is told in images and like thought bubbles and and um speech bubbles there's no narration Mm. so the beginning images are really yeah they're really quiet so like it's a question um will that sell will that sell a a reader on on the book and on turning the page Mm. i don't know We'll have to listen to your critique we'll and shut out. it to find yeah, out. We'll, we're going to find out soon. <laughs> yeah. Should we all, do you, do you all have your manuscripts in front of you? Should we all share our first lines with our listeners? Yeah, that's spontaneous. Let's do it. As, ter- <laughs> as terrifying as that is, um, I have to pull mine up. I, I actually changed mine while we were sitting here talking based on the first of the six W's. <laughs> mm. which is the who yeah yeah i started with the character that is not the protagonist All i right. love that famous children's movie psycho no just kidding <laughs> but it's, they say it's the one movie that starts off with with um a character and you think that character is going to be the protagonist for the longest time and then all of a mm. sudden that character disappears mm. but there's a reason no one else does it <laughs> mm. it doesn't always work so all right who's first i can go since i i, I suggested it uh so uh, saying this with the caveat that these are works in progress yes don't first judge us might change <laughs> Especially after reading this chapter. So uh, so my first line, it's it's two lines, um, but first first 
page is uh, I love the bright lights, how they flash, shimmer, and fade, flowers blooming in the night sky. Hmm. That's like get a, a very the imagery. poetic imagery, yeah. lyrical yeah. Um, yep. setting, and depending on the illustrator, potentially a lot of color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, why don't you go next? Okay. Um, yeah, I just changed this. So <laughs> this is new, but it's an image. Um, an impossibly adorable dog gazes out the window uh, of his area in an animal shelter. I'm, not, I'm, I'm rewriting as I go, but it's an image of a dog in his spot in an animal shelter gazing out the window waiting. What What was it before? Um, it was a little kid watching cute dogs being walked down the street. Uh, and then the little kid closes his eyes daydreaming and we see his thought bubble. Uh, a little kid giddies, a cute puppy licks his face and then he begs for the parents to go get a puppy and then they go to the mm. animal shelter. So I think I can just cut all that and have mm. it take place starting with the dog staring mm. and waiting for a family to come for him. Aww. Yeah, you've so. got our hearts already, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, that's good to hear. Um, now I need to write it in a way that is equally compelling. So, all right. Um, well, my wow doesn't come till the next page. So you just want my opening line. It's <laughs> it's only got main character. Grandpa loved to laugh. Ha ha, tweedle he. <laughs> <laughs> that's good tone. <laughs> That is good tone setting. I like that. I like that. I think we know what's happening or what's going to happen. So mine is like very unfocused, it feels. Very first line, I'm just going to read the line. Usually around here, a moving truck means another family is moving out. Mm. Yeah, well, there's intrigue there. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little intrigue, yeah. And there's also a sense of I'm going to bring you into my neighborhood and community because there's this around here and so i feel like ooh, i want to know what's happening in this place that this voice is coming from you did it you put it out there (laughs) yay all right and by the time these are all done those first lines may still be there or they may be unrecognizably different sure yeah that's going to be exciting to see. So now we have documented what they were. And then yeah. we shall see what happens later. <laughs> well, we'd like to continue to give our listeners some things to do. Um, to follow along and do your own picture book creation. So if you're following along with Book Smitten's challenge to write your own picture book, Take a look at these chapters in Anne Whitford Paul's book and get some colorful pens out or some crayons because one of her exercises involves looking at these six W's and I forget what color she assigns for each, but, you know, drawing a line or a circle around your who, when does your main character show up and is it obvious enough and, and your when and your, your what, your tone and, and your wow and all those others and see what it looks like and see if you've got them all, see if you're missing some and see which ones you might have to work on and try again in a new draft. So we're going to do that ourselves and we just wanted to give a heads up for all of you to go grab some colors and um, try this technique. And one thing that 
Anne Richard Paul actually suggests in the book is to actually do this with another writer. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, what you would do is you would each mark up your own manuscript and then mark up the other person's manuscript and then exchange to see if you mark the same things. Uh, so I think that is an interesting exercise that maybe a few of us will do as well. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Booksmitten. I'm Heather Shoemaker, and with me is Jack Chang, Kelly J. Baptist, Patrick, and Patrick Flores Scott. Uh, we are so glad to have you with us. Have some courage and play around with what you've already written, because as Patrick always tells me, the story is not on the page. The story is in your heart. Mm. So don't be afraid to mess around with what's printed on the page. It's, yes. it's, not, it's not there forever. It's just there to get started. This show is produced by Josie and Corey Schneider with music by Duck Duck Chicken. Um, rate and share so that you can get other people to listen to this show and have more wonderful stories out there in the world. You can use our Twitter booksmit, hashtag book, booksmittenchallenge and find us on Twitter at booksmittenpod. Send us some questions at hello at booksmitten.us and see you on the picture book bookshelf. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.